Hello and welcome to and welcome back to Ladies Corner Podcast. Hope you love this conversation. Let's get into it. Oh, good afternoon. We are live. <laughs> this is Ladies Corner with Tia Diemo. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a very special guest, um, Casey Machin. She is a co-founder and chair of Parity Yeg and the founder and chief operating officer of Oretta Labs. Welcome, Casey, to Ladies Corner with my humble self, T. Hi, T. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm really excited for this. I love I love your shows. So, oh, thank you thank for you. including me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I I look at you. I was expecting someone with thick glasses. Like what you do is you own a tech startup, uh, but you look so beautiful, and you look like an everyday <laughs> everyday person who does not undergo oh, really? any kind of stress. Oh, makeup is a wonderful thing. Mm. <laughs> Let me tell you. Uh, yeah, thank you. I um, I definitely have had my fair share of stress. Uh, and yes, as you said, a tech startup, it is just a wild journey. It is very, very wild, um, but so, so enjoyable. And I am learning like just an incredible amount. So I'm fortunate and lucky that I get to do this. Okay, so let's start with tech startup. Just, you know, I want to like go downtown somewhere and, and brag. I own a tech startup. Just so, <laughs> so, so my question is, why was there a need for Areto Labs? And can you explain what you do at Areto Labs and the concept generally behind that beautiful idea? Yeah, for sure. Um, sure. Uh, okay, so... In my work with my co-founder, um, oh, did we lose T? No, I'm here. Oh, there I, you are. Okay, sorry. I, 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 just right I just gave you the full screen. <laughs> sorry. You, you think I would like know this kind of stuff, but I don't. Um, anyways, yes. So in my previous work uh, with Parity YEG and um, really just through my work uh, on working towards gender parity, uh, we would recruit um, women uh, to run for office. And uh, often, more often than not, they would say that uh, online toxicity and abuse was a major barrier to running. And we saw that across the board um, with many different candidates, regardless of um, party affiliation or if they were running um, federally versus provincially. Um, and so we really wanted to do something about that. It was something that we knew was a big problem. And um, it's sort of one of those problems that uh, everyone knows is a problem, but um, no one really necessarily wants to own the solution. Um, so we decided that we were going to uh, use technology um, to help us. And uh, given that Twitter is uh, the most political, politically engaged platform, especially for candidates running, we decided to uh, invent a piece of technology that essentially scans and scores sentiment um, towards a set list of candidates. In this case, it was women running for office in the 2019 federal, no, provincial election was the first one we did in Canada here in Alberta. Um, and then for every extremely toxic or abusive tweet that it found based on our scoring, it was automated to post uh, a positive message in response uh, to really help build 
culture, um, build awareness and, and really show candidates that um, it, their feelings were validated in what they were experiencing, but that there was a bunch of people that um, had their back. So we deployed that um, really just off the side of our desks as volunteers. I used to work, um, had a wonderful job working for a city councillor um, and uh, in politics, in um, communications and policy advising. Uh, and so really just in my free time, uh, we deployed this bot uh, in three more elections. So two altogether in Canada for the federal and provincial, and then as well in the US and New Zealand. Um, and really it was just from there we did a lot of market research. We had been contacted by um, quite a few different um, mostly nonprofits at that point uh, that were interested in the uh, solution and interested in what we were working on. I know I'm taking a really long time. I'm sorry. Uh, so we did, long story short, we did a ton of market research, um, realized that this piece of technology, not only um, was it able to um, track sentiment and um, do all those great things on a public channel, but much like all workspaces, um, whether they're public or private, uh, there is a need to build culture, especially remotely um, and digitally now more than ever. And so through that market research, we were encouraged um, to then use that same piece of technology, essentially, but uh, put it on a different platform, which is now in Slack. And so it um, posts positive nudges based on um, behavioral science, uh, and then uses automation, machine learning, and artificial intelligence to scan and score engagement and sentiment within your digital workspace, um, but really be proactive in building that culture um, before it gets to a point that um, it becomes toxic. And so that's where we found the need for Aretto Labs. It was really, um, we saw a problem, we wanted to fix it, and we are, uh, really obsessed about the solution. And so um, all of our products are really geared towards that. And we plan to scale uh, scale our product, um, but also scale our impact as well. You know, I feel uh, privileged right now that I'm talking to someone who's done global work. And when I read on your Twitter feed that your, you know, your work is being used in New Zealand, in the United States, right here in Canada, and this is you still humble. And part of your work is used. I downloaded Slack for the first time last year, last night. You know, oh, cool. big, yes, you see yeah. how privileged I've become. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm like a techie. It, this is this is incredible what you do. But forgive my ignorance. This is when I think techie, I think it's so way above me. I can't even relate. But you're bringing it down to me to explain that tech, you know, technologies in our daily life. How bad was the online, could you please comment on how bad the online tox, toxicity, toxicity, if I pronounce that right. Toxicity, yeah. Yeah, how bad that problem was before you, you stepped in with a solution. Yeah, um, so going back to, if you'll remember the 2019 provincial election when, um, Premier Notley, actually the 2017, sorry, 2017 provincial election, 2015. I'm sorry, I'm getting my years wrong. Uh, whenever Premier Notley, uh, at the time Premier Notley was elected, there um, really, I think that's when it became overly apparent um, just how toxic 
uh, digital platforms had become, especially for people who uh, are running and uh, running for office and elected officials. Um, that was really, I guess, when we became acutely aware of just how much of a problem it was and, and seeing that impact cascade uh, down throughout the community and, and those candidates that we had been recruiting and just seeing like really just how how much it deterred people from running. Um, that's really sort of the catalyst to it. Uh, when we first deployed, um, if this helps give a sense sort of at all, when we first deployed the bot during the uh, provincial election, no, federal election in 2019, forgive me for all of my dates, I really should uh, remember these. Um, but in 2019, the federal election, we had um, deployed the bot for, for that election. And uh, at the time, Catherine McKenna, MP McKenna, we, <laughs> I can't even read on air the, the types of of tweets that she was receiving. They were so toxic um, to the point that we had set our, so on the front end, I hope everyone's still following, but on the front end, the automated part of the Twitter bot is again, those messages. And it's based on scoring that we do on the back end um, of, it's much more complicated, but basically a sort of toxicity score, but it's, it's, um, it's scanning messages to, give a probability of how likely something would be considered toxic by the person on the receiving end. And so we set that threshold at, I think, 80% that first time, I think it was like 81%. And um, we quickly had to um, increase that, like purely because MP McKenna was receiving so much toxicity that the bot would have tweeted so much. Well, it did tweet so much that we we essentially were flooding Twitter feeds and and got into a little bit of a little bit of trouble with Twitter, uh, which is okay. We learned from that. That's always a good thing. But um, so if that gives you any sense, we had to then increase that scale, uh, increase that threshold to, I think it was about ninety three or ninety four percent. So you can imagine the types of of messages that she was receiving um, for it to be that that high. Yeah, I to, I I get it because even normally I have never experienced this. But I know people who are bought, bought or bought by trolls. Mm -hmm. People who are just nasty for no reason. So I think, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's a brilliant idea, I'd have to say. And that's why it's been so very well received. As a small business owner, I'd like to ask you, how did you find, when you talk tech, you're thinking millions and millions of dollars. Like I'm thinking that you've got billionaire friends. I'm thinking maybe <laughs> you go golfing with people who just write the tech out So the question is obvious, Casey. How did you find money to make this a reality? Yeah. Um, so a couple of things. Uh, I understand that stereotype. I used to hold um, sort of those same thoughts about about tech, and especially when we when we talk about you know tech startups and doing fundraising rounds and all those things you do you think of like those you know unicorn companies that raise an insane amount of money um and are worth billions and sell for billions and and all that kind of stuff and and that definitely is obviously a reality um it's not the reality for everyone and i would say probably more than not it's not the reality for most um tech startups are just an incredible amount of of work um and so 
we use, uh, like we essentially have been doing this full time for a year now. Um, when we decided to say, okay, like let's go all in and, and create a company and do this. Um, and we use both traditional and sort of, um, like, traditional forms of of um financing our company um but also traditional um like tech startup or scale up forms of fundraising so we we are doing an angel investment round um and looking towards uh series rounds um which just means you're doing larger investments with venture capital um but up until now we've really just bootstrapped so we've relied a lot on um, our own personal, a bit of our own personal finances. Um, we have the absolute privilege of being able to take a year off, um, basically without pay, to to pursue our dream, which is a, a really big privilege um, and a lot of pressure. Uh, and then we are very heavily reliant on grants. Um, there's a lot of of support out there. It, it does require. Uh, a lot of patience um, and a lot of work to develop those relationships and and really um, be able to to take advantage of the opportunities as they come. And so we've managed to really take advantage of that as much as we can and and will continue. But it um, when you're scaling fast um, and and just knowing all the crazy, great, really cool, fun things we want to do. Um, we we just know that it's it's time to do a fundraising round, and so yeah, we will be doing that. Um, <laughs> as far as like yeah, the whole tech, I I hate to say this, but it's sort of like that bro tech culture that definitely exists. Um, I would say it's far less in Alberta, um, so far less in Alberta, but um, for sure you run into that. But mostly, it's just really it's people that had a good idea or were super passionate about a problem that they wanted to solve. And tech was um, just a really great uh, way to um, use it and make it accessible. So I hope that answers you. To be honest, I like the way you've wiggled fundraising, grants, venture capital, our personal finances. Uh, we took um, a paycheck, um, freeze we ourselves didn't get paid and that's is the reality i think for so many small mm -hmm. business owners like you put in on told hours and it takes a while for all that money to come to come Absolutely. together and so i appreciate your honesty and transparency with that this yeah. is another curious question which i think stems from my lack of understanding your industry and your world do you find sure. that there are many women in in the tech industry or is it dominated by men <laughs> <laughs> yes um absolutely dominated by men there's no way around that it um mm -hmm. i mean just stats alone like two percent of all capital venture capital funding goes to women founders and that um is probably you know of course two things there's not as many women founders not even close um but maybe there's not as many women founders because we don't fund them like we do others so yeah we've definitely um had experiences very few but experiences for sure that left us feeling a little shaken it um we don't 
we don't fit in necessarily, uh, especially mm -hmm. myself. Like, as I said, I'm, I'm not a technical person. I am a non-tech founder. I really um, rely heavily, obviously, on my tech team. Um, I handle sort of the operations and sales and marketing side of things. So um, I, I still feel like I, you know, don't necessarily fit in. Um, what mm -hmm. I can say, though, is that I think attitudes are changing. Uh, and like having said that, yes, most of the tech startup world is um, men. It it absolutely has been those very same men that have provided like just amazing support and mentorship and advising to us. So it's changing. Is it changed? No. And I think there's still a long ways to go. But I, I really do think that there is a willingness and an effort to change from within, which is critical. Okay, that's incredible. So we need to maybe do more work, like, you know, to get more women into tech. Like I said, each time I hear tech, like in this province, especially when you look at the kind of labor the the provincial government is attracting, much of yeah. that is tech. And yeah. I'm thinking much of that is a for not BIPOC women. It's 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 not for you know news you know wannabes like myself. You know they're just looking for the Della cream, you know, you, being a techie is like, oh, wow, like gold dust around you, I think. So, oh, uh, well, you know, I, I'll reach out to you because there is, if there's one thing I am, if, if there's one thing we, we have been very good at, I think that comes from the nonprofit world, which, by the way, really sets you up. So don't discount your skills. Like having come from a volunteer and nonprofit world, sets you up very well to own a startup because you have to be okay. scrappy and <laughs> you have to really like really have a passion okay. for what you're doing um and most if not all of the volunteers I've worked with in past experiences would be incredible startup owners so don't let oh, that at, ever, at all deter you but um there are a lot of things that we've learned and always oh. happy to share them but also there are so many grants. There are so many wow. grants that are okay. that are just accessible that you just don't know about because you oh. don't necessarily have the right advisors, not the right yeah. advisors, but it, it's hard to access all that information. And I mean, that's a whole other topic, but it could be made a lot more accessible, but I'm happy to share all I of the, all of the, yeah, because there's tons. number at the end of this. You got it. <laughs> Totally, you got gonna, it. And like, we're going to be my lots. best friends. And we're yes. going to explore this techie world. So I can just <laughs> brag, I'm a techie now, you know. <laughs> Get a tech startup, you know. But like, really, who, why do we, I think it's funny that we like need authority to say that we're like tech, like you're running a podcast. That is so this is anybody like, can come on Facebook and well, do this. I, I didn't think of the technology you did. It is a difference though. Okay, you know, I'm like a wannabe. You're like the oh, real deal. <laughs> you know what? I thought okay, so let's clarify too. I Lana is really the driver of the idea. Right. She's the one who came to me and said, Okay, I think we might be able to do this. So um it's yeah, it, it's an incredible idea. It's not yeah. for ordinary minds for sure, but it's an incredible idea. It takes me to another question. Does your digital work life ever end? 
do you ever switch off? Because anytime Twitter is up, which is 24 seven, that's a red lab work, that's you working. How do you do it? <laughs> yeah, um, that's such a good question. I wish I could say that like, I have figured out how to balance this, um, like sort of digital life. And I think, um, you know, we're a remote work company. We have uh, team members from literally all over the world that work at all different times. And so that creates a lot of opportunities, but also some challenges that as the owner and, and leader of, of sort of the strategy and, and plan, it's up to me to deal with some of those uh, challenges. Um, yeah, I... I hope I, is that is that helpful at all? I I don't know if I'm if I'm answering your question. So what you're saying the work is spread across teams in China, Hong Kong, Hawaii, yeah, like it Dubai, really is driven all. right. And so how to balance that? Um, one thing I did start doing, uh, which has really helped, and I actually I I learned this from one of my mentors. Um, she really said like you need to actually put in your calendar. Um, time where like people can't book you <laughs> for things and that you oh, are yeah. taking that time to um for yourself so in in my case i i love walking and i love dogs and i love walking my dog um and and being active in the river valley so i would um always and still um even today i always take time out of the day to get outside that really helps um and then in the evening i am <laughs> trying trying harder uh, to hold myself accountable and ask my family to hold myself accountable for not checking those sorts of things. It's hard because you feel such a sense of responsibility when your team is working and, and you're just sitting on the couch type thing. But I'm also really trying to learn and um, I guess acknowledge and put into practice that I'm a better team member when I have uh, sleep and, and oh, yeah fill up my cup in other ways. So uh, oh, yeah. I guess all that to say, it's important and something I will continue to work on because I don't know if digital life ever ends. It It's become so ingrained in our culture now, um, especially in workspace. And I think that that's great. There's so many opportunities it's opened up for people, but it can also, um, you know, it's so easy to switch into work mode when your phone oh. can be your computer. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Uh, you alluded there to what you do for your mental health. And mental health is so important mm -hmm. um, in, in our world. And I cannot um, talk about it enough because if you're not careful, the dark world of your mental health would envelope you and then you're not able to do anything. So I want you yeah. to dig into that just a bit for me. What do you do? You want to take yeah. startup. That's legit. You want two massive global companies. That's legit. How do you look after your mental health? Yeah, um, it is. It is so important, <laughs> uh, and I think it's one of those things. At least for me, anyways. I I sort of was like, well, of course it's important, and it's always important. But you don't realize how important it is until like things aren't going well. Um, so a couple things I've done, I see a therapist. Um, I, I am not ashamed of that. I think we should all see a therapist. I think that it's um, one of the most uh, incredible ways that you can love yourself is by, is by doing some of that proactive work. So I do that. Um, 
I, as I said, I it's extremely important for me to be in nature. I, I find that it really fills me up. Um, and I also love to flex my creative brain. Um, so I try to do some things that uh, allow me to create. Uh, and sometimes that's writing and sometimes that's painting. I'm not at all talented and this will never be seen by public, but uh, <laughs> it's just an outlet for me. Um, but then also incredibly important and something I might not have realized uh, before, but just how important it is to have mentors uh, and and sort of coaches um, in in your in your support group that you can rely on because uh, it is just so valuable to be able to reach out to someone and say you know I'm really struggling with this or um, you know my imposter syndrome is kicking in oh and it kicks in every single day um, so it's nice to have someone who you can bounce ideas off of really rely on for that support but that's been there. Um, and knows how to sort of coach you through some of those challenges. Because I find, I don't know, about, I think everyone sort of deals with stress differently, of course, but I find that when I get really, really stressed and overwhelmed, I either like want to control everything and do everything, or I like freeze and can't do anything at all. And so uh, sometimes it's just as simple as simple as reaching out to some of my mentors and saying like, you know, I'm I'm sort of paralyzed with fear right now. Like, this is really fair, you know, something I'm, you know, concerned about or wanting to work on. And um, they will help just incredibly just by asking me questions. It really is not even solving my problems. It's um, just me talking them through, which I think really helps. And I've, I've taken a bit of um, courses on coaching and leadership and, and knowing that that peer to peer uh, interaction and coaching is critical. Um, I've had the opportunity, the just really fortunate opportunity to do some of that work with other um, tech leaders in the city. And it's like by far some of the best, the best experiences I've had um, so far as a business owner. Sounds so weird still. No, no, that's that's sweet. Um, I know for anyone listening, I know the Africa Center offers um some terror some what's professional health or mental health through the alberta black therapist network so it's important what, what you mentioned was really good then we should not feel shy really to seek help to ask for help when mentally things you know the darkness i think it was chris was trying to explain this to when you know yeah just you know yeah just getting overwhelmed by just the stress of, of daily living. So I want to consider what you do, uh, parity yeg, yeg, and I and at any time in our in our province's history or in Edmonton's history, parity yeg is so important because we have a lot of female candidates. So how, okay, let's talk about what parity yeg is first, and then how important has parity yeg been for the candidates running in 2021 elections? Sure. Um, so Perry YG started uh, early 2019. Um, okay. It was myself and uh, five, four or five others uh, that had been doing work previously towards gender parity, but wanted to focus a bit more locally as we found that um, there was a need for some grassroots um, 
grassroots type organization that would focus especially towards the uh, municipal election, the upcoming municipal election. So that was in 2019, we formed Parity YG. Um, we're a registered nonprofit organization. Um, and we really do just that. We focus on increasing gender parity at all levels of office. And a lot of that work um, means that we recruit women to uh, run for office and um, and then support and encourage candidates as they uh, hopefully uh, put their name forward to run. Um, and so we noticed really, especially at a, a, a city council level, um, a real lack of gender diverse um, candidates. And so there was uh, a need and really I, I should say candidates, both um, BIPOC candidates as well as gender diverse candidates. Uh, and so we wanted to um, try and focus our efforts to really encourage people to run and support them, as I said. Um, and, and so we did a number of things, including um, creating campaign kits that um, have been sourced from lots of different um, community leaders that do a lot of this work. Um, and then, um, really probably one of the most important things we we did in the last two and a half years, um, we commissioned the historian laureate Amber Paquette to write a historical overview of the um, representation of women, women and gender diverse candidates in city council. And so um, that report was was really critical and it's on our website, but um, that's really where we really dug in because there is you know, we've only come so far um, of all the equity seeking groups, white women are the most accommodated and that obviously shows up at city council. And that's not to discourage. And I'd, I'd love to just preface this with, this isn't about discouraging anyone to run. It's really about encouraging all kinds of people to run that might not necessarily look like your traditional candidate. Um, and so that's really what drives a lot of our work. Um, we're new, uh, relatively new, and we've had just, you know, phenomenal support, uh, but there's lots left to do. And, um, you know, as a volunteer run organization, there's limitations, but I also think there's a lot left for us to, to work on when it comes to um, really being more um, intersectional with our work. I think that's a key driver, at least, in my mind as the chair. Um, but having all, having said all of that, we are having an AGM and we're electing new board members and that's critical for um, Parity YEG. We really wanna make sure that um, we have a representative board that includes all kinds of people. So if anyone is listening and at all interested, please get in touch. We will be sharing uh, all kinds of information about that after the election when everyone has a chance to catch their breath. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. So parity YG. I just wanted to um, again consider what the support looks like. Um, I a couple of years ago I spoke with uh, Z Tracy Barry, and one of the things I remember she said was she would love to run for office, but there was absolutely no support. So, yeah. and I know parity YG um, is volunteer led. Do you give money to these female candidates? Is that what oh. you do? I wish. I wish we could do that. So a couple of things. Um, because we're a registered nonprofit and we're registered with the Societies Act, we we aren't able to 
fund any candidates, any political right. candidates. So we're we're sort of bound and we've had all kinds of discussions about this because yeah, we could go down that. But currently as it sits, we are bound by those um, restrictions when it comes to fundraising directly for candidates. How we've um, gone about doing some of that uh, in the past is holding fundraising events so that candidates have uh, a free uh, way of hosting an event to try and drive fundraising dollars. Um, and so we did that pre-COVID um, and it was really successful and we, we had planned to do that again. But of course, things all changed with COVID. Um, and then really just on that note, I would mention that, you know, municipal candidates are even um, in some ways worse off when it comes to fundraising dollars because there is no party affiliation. Um, you really are, you know, left to fundraise on your own, which can be, you know, both a blessing, but also it, it can be a challenge, especially for candidates that might not have the big networks with the big um, pockets. And, and that's really where I think it, it, we really need to rely and, and hold those, those political leaders that are holding that power to really open up space for others. Um, and so we've seen that, I think, a little bit more for sure in this election. We've seen some pretty big endorsements of some good candidates and um, people are getting involved and, and sort of stepping aside to let the uh, next generation of candidates move in. And so I think that that's really good. But I, I, I do still think that there is a big gap when it comes to fundraising um, for women and um, gender diverse candidates for sure. Uh, yeah. There's different things we can do. Obviously, I'm getting into like the technical stuff, but with the new um, fundraising rules and third party advertising rules um, that were yeah. just recently uh, enacted for this for this election, there's, again, as most things, um, good things about that, but also bad things. So uh, it can it can be tough to, um, you know, get support of essentially what are PACs. Um, and, and that is groups of people that um, will, you know, pool money together to, to support or endorse a candidate. Um, that can be tricky. And I just know from, you know, my previous work volunteering on lots of different um, campaigns with different candidates, it's incredibly hard to ask for money. And I think it's even harder um, when you're not used to it or maybe don't have access to the same type of network opportunities that have allowed you to practice asking for money and getting comfortable with that. So um, yeah. I think it's really on all of us to, to make sure that we're uh, not only being choosy in, in our candidates, but in also who we support. Uh, because I think that there's many, many candidates out there that would be wonderful and um, we're missing out just simply because they can't raise hundreds of thousands of dollars, which seems silly. To be competitive, to run competitively. I hear you. So would you say you are not exactly pleased or you are pleased with the progress as it were the Parity YG is making right now? Yeah. Okay, go. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, oh, this is a hard one for me. Absolutely. Am I pleased with the work um, that Parity YEG has done and, and, and just really where we're at? Um, absolutely. We have managed to, you know, do a lot of 
a lot of work. Um, I was just pulling up some of my stats. I wanted to make sure that I was uh, giving correct information, but you know, we have more women than ever running for um, municipal office. We have more women than ever running for a mayor, which is a big deal. The only time that um, we've ever had a mayor who identified as a woman was um, Jan Reimer back in the 80s. And since then, mm -hmm. um, nothing since. And so, um, you know, I, I think we're making gains there. And as I was saying, um, some of those big endorsements and, and seeing who's helping out on whose campaigns, um, I think is getting better for sure. I have absolutely seen some some progress made there, but there's still a far way to go. Of the you know 28 women candidates, only 10 um, identify as BIPOC candidates or gender diverse candidates. That's you know certainly not representative of our city. Um, so I think there's a lot of work to do there, and I think Parity YG um, has to do a lot more work when it comes to being more intersectional with with what we do and so i guess that would be my hope for for the board moving forward and certainly where i would like to lend my efforts um is to make sure that we're being really intentional about that um yeah so i would say we've we've made some progress and some gains and and i really have really high hopes that we are going to elect some fabulous candidates and i'm really excited about that um, but there's always more work to do. And I think, I think if, if we can work ourselves out of this job, that's great. I mean, the end goal <laughs> is to not be needed. Um, but I don't know if we're at a point where we're not needed yet, if that uh -huh. helps. Yeah. I, I hear you. And I'm wondering if you'll be able to answer this next question. Are you able to share who your candidate is for mayor? Is it a woman or a man? Who I'm, who I'm voting for? Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, and to be there, I'm being very, very honest right now. I don't know who I'm voting for, um, partly because I have been so um, consumed with, you know, the tech startup life and running a company. Uh, but also, I, I, I just haven't had a chance to um, really look at the candidates. So I don't know who I'm supporting for mayor. Um, I would say, though, I think I think sometimes we can get sort of. I found at times. I'd love to support a women candidate, and and I think that that's incredibly important. I don't necessarily think, though, that you should just vote for a woman because she's a woman. I I, I think that actually does a disservice to everyone. I think what we need to do is hold our elected officials accountable for really um, thinking about who is not at those decision-making tables and be representative of them. And so I would vote for a candidate that I felt most um, reflected what I am passionate about um, and what I would like to see and, and where I think the city needs to go in order to you know, stay competitive and, and be the kind of place that my kids, when they're, you know, 20 and graduating high school or college hopefully will be um will want to stay here and and so i guess if i can maybe sort of talk about that more um it's really about my focus and and where i see a candidate that aligns so a lot of that revolves around yeah equity seeking groups and what representation we have um how we can ensure that the city is 
um, equitable for all um, and representative, as I said, but also, you know, climate change is a huge, huge concern of mine and something that I really hope to see candidates addressing because it's not just a federal or a provincial problem, it's an all of us problem. Um, mm -hmm. And I think cities have a large, a large part in, in creating innovative solutions um, to tackle some of those challenges. Thank you, Casey. Today is World Teachers Day. Yeah. Was there a teacher that influenced or inspired you more than others? Would you like to uh, Yeah, my grade two teacher, Mrs. Delinsky. Um, she allow, she didn't, it was, I, I am a pretty creative um, person and probably a little bit quirky. And I've been told that and she really just embraced that and um, made me feel like I had um, this, this gift to share with the world, um, but also made me accountable for that as well. Uh, and this is in grade two and I still remember her, but she was just lovely. She was so kind to me. Um, and I guess sort of is what inspired me on my journey to um, volunteerism, if that, if that, I know that sounds yeah. like a big stretch, but um, just some of the activities that I got to do out of that, I, I, she thought that, you know, I should go into poetry and um, sign me up for some things that like, I never would have done mm -hmm. um, had I not had someone who sort of saw that in me. So I would say that other teachers, I, so many teachers I've had, um, both in the traditional sense of being in school, but also so many teachers I have that teach me just great things and lessons about um, life and, and how to be kind and, and how to run a business successfully. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> we love you, Mrs. Delinsky. If you I know, Mrs. Delinsky. <laughs> oh, she was so kind. She was like, Aww. she was so lovely. And she let me bring, I had a bunny rabbit named Huggins Aww. and she let me bring Huggins in <laughs> for show and tell. Oh. Oh. Uh, very special. Um, yeah, she was great. Teachers are so wonderful. Like, yeah. oh, we're just, uh, yeah. I, okay. And I think to, you know, some of the great teachers my kids have had, we've just been so lucky um, to have just great, great teachers. Teachers are oh, just the best. And we should appreciate them, especially today. As a final question, there's um, Thanksgiving going on Monday. What are your plans for Thanksgiving? Yeah. Uh, what are my plans? Um, I don't really, <laughs> don't really have any, to be honest. I will likely um spend a lot of time in the river valley with my family if it's nice um and do a lot of bike rides uh and we'll probably have some sort of a, a dinner um and and celebrate that way but uh we don't necessarily celebrate thanksgiving in the traditional sense of how it came to be in canada so it'll be a lot of um relaxation and sadly probably work <laughs> <laughs> When you say you don't, because I lived in England for 20 years, uh, this Thanksgiving thing is really new for me. So how yeah. do you traditionally, I know my sister just cooks the house down, you know, how would you traditionally celebrate yeah. Thanksgiving? That's a great question because like 
so growing up, Thanksgiving was really just about a meal with family, extended family, usually. Um, there wasn't any real like tradition in the sense of, um, you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't have, like we didn't go anywhere. There wasn't any, um, sorry if you hear my dog barking in the background. Uh, okay. There wasn't any, um, there wasn't any like rituals, I guess, in that sense, except that it was a time to spend with family. Um, I think just learning a bit more, um, my eyes uh, were opened um, when I was lucky enough to attend the Truth and Reconciliation Commission when it went through Edmonton a couple of years ago and um, learning more and more and um, continually learning more and more about uh, sort of the roots of colonialism and how that impacted the way that um, we now celebrate some of those traditional holidays, uh, just some of my opinions and um, thoughts on this have been changing and evolving um, as I learn more. So I, I hope to utilize the time for good purposes, um, but not necessarily for the traditional reasons that Thanksgiving came to be. I hear you, Kate. It sounds like a very socially conscious um, way to celebrate Thanksgiving, and it's um, beginning to change the way I think about. Because I don't even know what traditional Thanksgiving means, right? Um, and it's sort of like what it like. It. I know that it's tied. Like I know the the sort of <laughs> the white version of Thanksgiving. Um, but like so many of those things, it, it came at such a high cost and uh, really led to some of the like problems that we're still seeing. Um, and, and one thing that I just will always take away from, from some of the conversations I had uh, at the TRC and, and since then with, um, with some of the people from that community that, that have been willing to share these deeply painful things um, is that I, I think so much of the work so far has been has rested on the shoulders of those seeking equity, and I would really like to switch that. And so, if there's those, you know, little things that seemingly seem, you know, like small, um, you know, maybe maybe just small little things that might not have a big impact, I do think that over time those um, those little ripples turn into waves and can create big change over time. And if nothing else, maybe my kids will learn a different version of Thanksgiving and, and that's always progress too, I hope. Well, but yeah, I still make so many mistakes, we all do. And that's the thing, I think it's just intent. It's like, if, if your intention is to learn and grow, then I just, I think we can all benefit from yeah. that. <laughs> all right. Yeah. And when I think Thanksgiving, I'm thinking the American Thanksgiving, we watch when we watch these soapy movies and they kissed on Thanksgiving day or three different families are dying, <laughs> <laughs> running across different airports. Exactly, yes. For Thanksgiving, yeah. so that is the Thanksgiving. I know the Hollywood fashion, you know, so it's it's incredible. I want to say I'm inspired, you've inspired me. My daughter watching is inspired. And I want to say thank you so much for your work. Thank you. you know, for making tech, uh, for being a techie woman and for making the techie world actually accessible to a BIPOC woman like myself. And for all the work you do on equity, it's important, I think, that the work you do, especially with um, Parity YG, 
it's crucially important that all women, all women um, are able to, to compete, are able to, to find some sort of support to help them to achieve their political desires. So we have you and your team to thank mm -hmm. for the many hours you put into volunteering. Thank oh, you so thanks. much for coming. Thank you, T. This I I just would I love you. I love this show, and you are you are just awesome. And thank you for inviting me on. I feel privileged that you would even ask. So, thank oh, you. Thank you. <laughs> so otherwise, we'll be on oh, oh, for the rest. I'm gonna end the broadcast, and then I'm sure. gonna wait to get your number because you're becoming my best friend. Awesome. <laughs> love it. Totally. I'm happy to share. Yes. Absolutely. So thank you all for watching. See you next time. How was that interview for you? Did you enjoy it as much as we, we did? Uh, make sure you like and subscribe and hit the notification button. Thanks for listening and we hope to see you next time.